Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we have two movies. Um, so originally I was going to do The Beekeeper, but we're going to bump that to next week because we had the uh, writers and directors of Blow Up My Life reach out to us, uh, Ryan Dickey and Abigail Horton, um, and asked us to review their movie. So we decided so, to put yeah, that one in this episode on. for sure. We want to support all the indie movies we can. <laughs> yeah, so we will be covering that. And then we will also have our review of last year's American Fiction. Finally. Uh, finally, written and directed by Cord Jefferson. Uh, for both these movies, we will have spoilers and then non-spoilers. And time codes will be down in the description below. Let's get into it. Alright, um, first up this week is Blow Up My Life, came out last year and is uh, directed by Abigail Horton and Ryan Dickey. Uh, I believe this is their first feature film, um, and it stars two guys from TikTok who are pretty famous uh, called The Good Liars, um, and if you know anything about them, you'll know kind of the taste of this movie. It is pretty left-wing, Um pretty anti-capitalist and anti-kind of big pharma and stuff in its messaging. Um, And basically the premise is there is a guy and he's kind of a hotshot programmer at a pharmaceutical company. And as he develops and uh, an app and stuff, he becomes really successful and ends up kind of on the out due to some of his own personal behavior and such. And the movie follows him kind of uncovering some secrets about his former company uh, and the lengths to which he'll go to try and expose expose the truth and protect himself. Yep. Um, and it does take a bit of a comedic tone to this kind of thriller genre. You know, you've seen movies like this before, um, but I, I liked that they tried to go a little more comedic with it. Um, yeah, if you try and watch it with the head of, like, this is a serious action spy thriller flick, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that at all, yeah. So uh, Jason Selvig plays the main guy who's called Jason Trumbull. Um, and, yeah, he there's a couple moments in there that were, were pretty funny. There's a joke about um, regional theater that got me pretty good. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, there was also a joke about him looking kind of like Tom Cruise, which I had been thinking the whole movie, so that was pretty funny that it actually appeared in the movie itself. Um, but overall, I think he is easily the strongest performance in this movie. No, you disagree? I thought that was more of the weakest point of the movie, so that's interesting to me that you said that. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um... Well, I thought he was kind of charming, quirky, funny, uh, and entertaining throughout. Um, I do really like him on TikTok. I will say (laughs) that. He's very funny on there. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, like, I've seen some of his TikToks once I realized who he was, but I would not have put two and two together watching the movie. Um, And so I didn't have any kind of preconceived notion of what I wanted him to do or anything. Um, but I definitely, I wonder how much improv there was in this movie. I'm guessing not a ton. Um, but I wonder what it could have been if they let him do a bit more of his own comedy. Uh, cause he can be really kind of funny. Yeah. 
Um, but other than that, like the visual style, uh, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, by the looks of it, they did not have you know fifty million dollars and an endless VFX budget from Disney. So the fact that they pulled this off and it is as coherent and easy to look at and charming and fun as it is is really really commendable and. It's available now on Amazon Prime and iTunes um, for only ten bucks to watch. Ten bucks to buy. Ten bucks Five to buy. Bucks to watch. Five bucks to just rent it. Uh, you could do a lot worse than watching this for an evening um, to help support some indie film. And uh, now we will move into some spoilers. All right, spoilers for Blow Up My Life. Uh, yeah, so he uh, comes across after he's been fired. He's doing just like some computer service, living out of his van. Uh, and he ends up at one of his old boss's houses to fix their computer, and he opens some files he shouldn't, and realizes in them are a large amount of documents proving that the company knows they updated the app to start trying to get people addicted to their cure for opioids, which is like a vape pen thing, um, and that they are aware of what it's causing, and they don't want to do anything about it. In fact, they are loving the amount of money it's bringing in um and so he starts kind of freaking out and trying to figure out what to do with this information his ex-girlfriend is a reporter so he goes to her um and i would say i was a little i would have liked to have seen a bit more of her um i thought their dynamic was interesting enough but i thought she was going to be kind of really pivotal to the movie going forward um and she dies off screen kind of suddenly which fits the narrative of the story but i was just a little surprised i thought maybe he was going to go there and find her dead because he she's not returning his calls and so finally he goes to her place and he finds her there and there's a note threatening him or something like that um i wasn't quite sure how that was going to go uh and then yeah his cousin ends up helping him out and they break into the CEO's house and they find out they're going to release yet another, a cure to the cure to the drug that's supposed to help you. Um, and so they kind of, he's able to send all of this information out to the company and expose it all. And uh, then he gets shot pretty unceremoniously yep. by the CEO, which was pretty crazy. Yeah, and there's not really follow-up to that. The cousin just flees the scene and... <laughs> goes to an airport and then it ends yeah i think there could have been maybe after like she flees or something and not like a super cheesy text on screen but something like um you know three months later and she's still hiding out somewhere and there's well i thought billboard. she was going to be sitting on the beach drinking the alcohol that they had talked about oh, 20 yeah. minutes earlier in the movie yeah something like like she's at a resort on the beach somewhere i think they were going to go to belize or something like that was kind of the plan sitting on the beach there and you know somebody's reading a magazine and on the magazine is yet another drug that that company's pushing or the ceo and it says like arise from the ashes you know forenza pharmaceutical is back on the up after scandal or whatever like just showing that you can do all this stuff and whatever but you know if people don't continue to do it it's a bit futile it can feel that way i guess that might have been a little too depressing an ending for this this movie because it is a little more lighthearted. yeah and i mean i do like that he ends up getting shot because he gets shot in the ceo's house because he won't give up like 
he sends out all the documentation proving they're guilty to all of the investors and everyone involved in the company. And then he finds out that they're going to do the drug curing the drug, basically. And instead of just letting it go, because all of these people are already like, you know, what the heck, we can't do this. Um, he has to download all of those documents and stuff. And that's what gets him shot is staying there that extra few seconds. Um, which, you know, I like because he just couldn't give it up. But <laughs> also, it just kind of ended weird. Yeah, yeah, it was a little... It was a little abrupt in how how quickly it ended. But yeah, overall, an enjoyable experience. My name is Jason Trumbull. JT Computer Repair. And I'm a man on the run. All right, next up on our list is American Fiction. Woo! <laughs> directed by Corey Jefferson. Uh, this came out at the end of last year and we just didn't have a chance it was only in limited release and hadn't come to salt lake yet um and then it was but it was only in like odd times at one theater and so we kind of just missed it and it just kept getting so much buzz um that we finally were like you know what we're i don't care that we're now a month late to this movie let's go see it and thank goodness we did. This is one of the best movies of last year. We both yeah. are like, we have to go amend our top 10 list. Yeah, it's for sure in my top five movies from last year. Um, I'll just bump my number 10. I think it was the Marvels off my list and put it in the five spot, move everything else down because yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, this this is probably two. It It could be number one. Like, I love the holdovers, as I've said many a time. But um, this was every bit as well-made, as charming, as funny, as well-rounded a characters as the holdovers. Um, and while I love the holdovers and probably watch it every year, this one also packs a punch with the message it's trying to get across. And, yeah, it makes you... It makes it really hard to review because it kind of pokes fun at critics who go, oh my gosh, this is such an important movie and so <laughs> timely because it's about the African-American struggle and how any movie of like any quality, just those are the tagline quotes because you don't want to, you just, that's what you say and you just push it out no matter what and it makes white people feel good about themselves. And that is the premise of this movie. Um, and it's also though i think the most important thing is that's not all this movie is it's not just a lecture about what to do it is a man struggling with his family drama and life and what he wants to be in life and his dreams and his passion and tragedy and love and relationships and it's i can't believe they pack this much into one movie and it's so coherent and enjoyable throughout consistently there was really not a scene I would drop from this movie or found myself bored during. Yeah. It was funny. It was emotional. It was it was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I teared up. I laughed really hard. I, you know, thought critically about myself and our world. And so a movie that can do all of that is truly something special. Hmm. Um, and Jeffrey Wright is the lead in this. He plays um, Thelonious something. His nickname is Monk um and ellison yeah 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 um and he is phenomenal he is really really strong in this um all of the supporting cast are also great and wonderful uh but i i do i get the buzz around this performance from him 
Uh, and it'll be interesting between him and Paul Giamatti and Killian Murphy. Um, They're going to give it to Killian Murphy, and he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> no offense. I hated Oppenheimer, though. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul Giamatti might get it as, like, kind of more of a career achievement thing, but I really think Jeffrey Wright should be considered for the for the award as well because yeah. he is exceptional. So let's head into some spoilers. All right, spoilers for American Fiction. Uh, Jeffrey Wright plays a novelist uh, who just writes novels about what interests him uh, and not just the African-American quote-unquote experience, a.k.a. hardened criminal on the streets or single mother raising five yeah, kids super despite Super stereotypical the everything. The movie you've seen or book you've read 500 times to varying quality. And some of them, as they admit in this movie, are incredible and really important, amazing stories. And other times it's a little bit of just like pandering and just it's what the masses want to think makes them feel good yeah. um and so Issa ray has her yes. character has a really famous book that's out that everyone says is so incredible but it's very stereotypical and yeah, like the grammar is bad it and, and it's yeah it's like if you were to walk into a middle school english classroom and ask the the white teacher to explain how african-americans talk this is what they would write down mm -hmm. is what it kind of sounds like and so immediately jeffrey wright dismisses it and her as an author um and so he's also trying to get this new book published that again has really nothing to do about this quote-unquote black experience uh and nobody's picking it up and he's not going to, and he starts having issues with students uh, where he teaches and stuff and so he's being put on leave of absence and his book's not getting picked up and all this stuff and his mother's getting sick and his mother starts to get sick and so his publisher is like come on like they just they want something quote unquote more black uh, and so out of drunken spite he puts together the worst novel he can come up with that is just every stereotype poorly written poorly conceived written drunkenly in a night throws it together uh and talks his publisher into shopping it out to people and what do you know it gets picked up for, for a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> massive check something he's yeah. never seen before and a four million dollar movie deal yeah so it starts getting a movie deal and he it's called uh, my pathology with an f um and so then you know to try and kind of help shut this down because he's feeling really guilty that it's doing well or annoyed uh, he titles the movie or the book the F word, uh, and after a brief deliberation, the execs at the publishing company decide to roll with it, and because they said it seems black, which is yeah, just I, awful. Yeah. It's there are some real hard hitting moments in this that, especially as two white people reviewing this movie, make you really think about. <laughs> how you relate to media and how you know things you've watched in the past what we've said about things in the past have we you know said things that have been taken in that context or are we trying to be more objective it really challenges you as a viewer um, and I think it does a good job of not just singling out like white people for this or saying oh all white people are terrible and awful and whatever it singles out everybody and anyone who's ever fallen 
to a stereotype, which is yeah. everyone. Because eventually he calls out Issa Rae on her, you know, book and is like, I can't believe you think that this one is pandering and is like just poorly written and stuff considering the book that you put out and she's like why well, put a lot of research into mine and he's like it's the same thing though you're leaning into what white people want and she's like well why is that so bad and he's like how is that not bad like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's an interesting conversation because then it also kind of raises the question of like well if you don't tell the stories of people like that then they're not getting a voice, but if that's the only story of theirs you tell, then it is kind of becoming stereotypical and cheapened. And like the movie deals with a white director who had a revelation in his personal life that he needs to tell these important stories. Yeah. And he's just the worst. Which that would be, I guess, the only thing that frustrated me is he does end up getting the movie in the end. He works with Jeffrey Wright to write something more compelling. And even in that, the ending Jeffrey Wright comes up with for it is just the guy accepting an award at the end for writing this awful book. Uh, and then the p cops come in and think the award is a gun and shoot him. And the guy's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. <laughs> like, it's so moving and whatever. And yeah, it's, it's just, just ridiculous. Yeah, and so it made me a little sad that that's yeah. who got the movie. <laughs> There's one part in it, too, where like Jeffrey Wright's character and Issa Rae are reviewing are like our judges in this book competition and the other three judges are white and they're talking about how important it is to showcase and black voices <laughs> and listen to black people while those two are like the two black people yeah. in the room and saying course, no don't put this book out <laughs> and they frame the shot where the three white people are like standing on one side of the table and jeffrey wright and Issa Rae are sitting on the other and they're like it's really important to listen to black voices right now <laughs> after those two have just spent an hour arguing why this movie should not be given or this or book, book should yeah. be not uh get the award <laughs> and yeah it is an endlessly clever movie um and so, yeah, and then also this whole personal dynamic of Jeffrey Wright's character. His mother is um, diagnosed with Alzheimer's. His sister his has sister. a sudden death. And she's the only one. So he has his sister who is taking care of his mom and works as a doctor in Boston. He has a brother who's a plastic surgeon who's going through a divorce and a drug addict out somewhere in the west i forget where he was phoenix tucson i think yeah tucson. Um, somewhere in arizona just doing drugs and coming to grips with the fact that he is a homosexual um and kind of embracing that lifestyle um and then you have jeffrey wright who has moved to la and is an author and then they all have to come back together and the sister the only one who is kind of responsible and taking care of the family suddenly dies at lunch <laughs> and so jeffrey wright now kind of assumes the role of um taking care of his mother and while they're at the beach house across the street he meets another woman who's read one or two of his books and finds them really charming and they get along really well and um yeah but as the the awful book he writes starts getting traction and stuff he's really it's getting to him and he doesn't want to admit what he's done and what's going on and so he starts taking it out on her and she leaves him briefly and stuff. And so, or forever, I guess, actually in the real yeah. version, um, which fair enough, he treated her really poorly. Um, and so he's, you know, there's a real 
any other movie could have just been about a family whose the daughter dies, who is the only caretaker of the mother with Alzheimer's as the guy falls in love with the girl across the street. And that is more than enough for one movie. Um, and it's not, it does not feel like that's an afterthought to this movie. It really is also a story and coming, getting closer to his brother who's struggling with addiction and his identity and And also his housekeeper falls in love. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so, so cute. Sweet. And that's <laughs> the moment that made me cry. She asks him if he'll walk her down the aisle because yeah. they're like family and it's just the sweetest thing Yeah, ever. every single part of this movie is important and good. <laughs> yeah, and it just, it all... Which is so white of me to say, apparently, but it's so <laughs> but it good. Is. Yeah, and so I really... Yeah, I, I know they call out people for calling movies like this important, but it is. This is the best deconstruction of criticism and of understanding other people's situations I've seen in a movie, I think, ever. Yeah. You know, it just, it hit on every level and is, it's just, it's incredible. And I highly, highly recommend. So what would you rate it? Um, yeah, this is gonna be like nine and a half, ten for me. Yeah, this is an easy ten out of ten for me. Listen, Monk, you need some time off. Why don't you go back and spend a little more time with your family? You know that all successful writers are tormented by their families. You look fat. Okay. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Nerd and Normie podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nerd and Normie and tune in every Monday for a new episode. And if you're on audio platform, leave us five star review. It really helps us out. And if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Thank you. Thank you.